it's all ready for you. Appreciate you asking me to speak. Real thrilled about it. You're <laughs> <coughs> welcome. Uh, want to make mention of <coughs> many times in your life you see fantastic things. Seen one this evening. Thank you very much, Linda, for inviting us to be a part of this. We greatly appreciate it. Over the years, in 50 years, it looks like to me, and I got my glasses on too, you're just as beautiful now as she was then. Oh. Age, hasn't, age hasn't changed you at all. That's all I can say on that. <laughs> and I'll say closer. <laughs> The other fantastic thing that I've seen is Ron Lost for Words. And I very much appreciate you asking us to be a part of that. If you would, open your Bibles to the book of Revelation. I call it the book of joy, the book of predestination. And what we read in this, and I think the last time we were here we talked about chapter 1 and I may bring some things in, may repeat myself about some things that I might make mention of you to us or to you. It's a joy each time that I read these words, each time that we are brought to understanding, and a lot of times it brings to us a great deal more joy and bringing to remembrance the things the Lord has blessed us with as far as His his completeness and his sovereignty is concerned. Let me point out, as before we read this, I'm trying to get to the second chapter if I have time. So just bear with me, <laughs> Debbie. <laughs> I'll try to get there, but in chapter 1, verse 1, is the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave to him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. Let me pause there, and what he's telling us is this, that, that God had a plan, or he has different things to relate to his servants. These things that he, would, that he desires to relate to his servants, they are going to be recipients of it. They are going to receive it. And let me also state, Bill, the only reason they have the, the revelation or the revealing or the making manifest of what he what he's speaking about is only through God's power. It's not something that we have, uh, we receive on things that we perform, but rather because of God's blessing. And let me make mention of even as you mentioned, Dave, in your prayer about blessings. We don't do in order to be blessed. We are blessed to do. And I'm speaking about even walking in the truth. We are blessed to walk in the truth because that is what God has willed. And if we keep this in mind about whenever we study this book here, 
because the Lord said, Blessed is he that readeth, in verse 3, Blessed is he that readeth, and they that hear the words of this prophecy, and keepeth those things which are written therein. And in, in all of this, we are blessed not only to read, we are blessed also heaven to hear. <clears throat> These words that the Lord had had recorded down for us, he already knew what his intention was. He already knew what he stated to them to reveal to them things which must shortly come to pass. And I hope that at each time that you're, no matter what book you read about, read out of, even this book of joy, that we are brought to realize that God's in control of all things. There's not one thing that ever comes to pass without God determinant beforehand and also Rhonda having the power to bring that to pass and that's what it's telling us in verse 1 to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass and so <clears throat> the last time we were here we talked about their, those servants are maid servants they don't volunteer into the service they're maid servants the Lord calls each and every one of his sheep calls them out, and I believe to be followers. And also, as I look at it, they are also to serve Him because that is what He has determined for them, 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 to, uh, them to do. We'll read about that just a little bit later, time permitting. But in it, I want to point out, the Lord is in control. He declared the end from the beginning, from ancient times, the things not yet done saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will do all of my pleasure. Uh, Isaiah, the 46th chapter and verse 10. Verse 11, I should say. But all of this has been determined by God. Not only that, but He has the power to bring that to pass. And many times, Ron, we talked to you about uh, Daniel, the 4th chapter and verse 35, where he said, that all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. I might point out, Chuck, you and I, that's what we are. We're no more. We cannot be any more. We are nothing as far as God is concerned. He said that all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. He doeth according to his will in the armies of heaven and amongst the inhabitants of the earth, and none's going to stay his hand. So when he's writing here, telling here, about the things that are written in the book of Revelation. He's stating, this is what's going to come to pass. I'm going to reveal the work of my son to the, his servants. Not only that, but in, in, in this first chapter, and we talked, I think, maybe the last time, that John, <coughs> pardon me, that John heard a voice behind him. This is in verse, verse 9 or 10. Verse 10. He had a voice that he heard behind him telling him, he said, I'm Alpha and Omega, <coughs> first and the last. He said, what thou seest, you write in a book. And you send it to the seven churches, which are, <coughs> pardon me, <clears throat> which are in Asia. And, th and this is what he had done. Now, Ron, I don't know what language 
that, it, that the Lord spoke to him in. When he wrote it down, I don't know exactly if he wrote it down. If he wrote it down in Greek, then it had to be, if he spoke in a Jewish language, it had to be transliterated over into the, into the, into the Greek. And now it's being translated over into the English for us as well. And I might point this out, and I won't spend much time, that I'm very confident that the Lord's going to preserve His Word down through the ages until He takes, it, until he takes I believe, His sheep that make up true Baptist churches out of this world. But all of this is going to be consistent. Not only that, but whenever John turned to see who it was that spoke with him. And I might point this out. Where was John at this time? Well, Chuck, he was here. He's on the Isle of Patmos there, and he was cast away for the testimony of Jesus Christ, and he was there, placed there on this earth. When he turned to see, he was still upon the earth. So that means that this one who spoke with him, which I believe to be Jesus Christ, came down, Ron, and he spoke with him. When he turned to see, he describes him here. And let me just go and read this for you here in, in verse 12, He's, uh, Revelation 1. He said, And I turned to see uh, the voice that spoke with me, and being turned, I saw seven lampstands. And let me pause. He turned to see the voice, but when he, when he turned, he, seven, he said he saw seven lampstands. And then he goes on to describe the one that, it, that he's seen. He said, One like the Son of Man, clothed in a garment down to the foot, and girded about the, bre uh, about the breast with a golden girdle. His, his head and his hair were, were white like wool, as white as, white as snow, and his eyes like a flame of fire, and his feet like fine, fine brass, as they were burned in a furnace. And the voice was like the sound of many waters. Here he describes him, and let me point this out. How he describes him was in his glorified state. You remember whenever he came down, Ron, and, and went amongst his disciples, he even told Thomas, he said, Thomas, here I am. Here's this, my side, here's my hands. You can see them. He, they seen him as a man, but he wasn't seen like this to John. What John, how John seen him was in his glorified state of, of not only, and we talked about this maybe in our last message, about this uh, having a golden, golden breastplate, and that tells us of his royalty, that he is from God. All the things that he described, his hair like white wool, describes to us wisdom. And eyes like a flame of fire. In other words, he knows all things or sees all things. Not only that, but his feet being tried in, in, the, in the furnace like fine brass or like brass. In other words, tells us that he went through all the, all the things that I believe his father had decreed for him to go through in order that he might, uh, might purchase us. Not only that, but to redeem us. Not only that, but also I believe to lead us and guide us. And this is how that John seen him at this time. Now let me just point this out if we may in verse 19. He said, And the things which thou hast seen. And Dave, I want to point this out. The 
things which thou hast seen. What's he speaking about? Things of the past. The things which are and the things which shall come hereafter. In other words, what he was addressing was not only talking about the things which were past, but the things which are, which is present, and the things which shall be is the future. And I might even ask the question, who is it that's in control of the past, the present, and the future? And there's only one answer, and that's God. He's in control of them all. So as we, as we approach to reading chapter 2, keep it in mind that God's in control because that's what he's writing to these churches which were in existence at that time. The things which are. And this is what we should keep in mind as we study this book here uh, about the things that the Lord, I believe, has, has determined to be revealed to them and not only the things which were past, in other words, God being in control of them, which is also the present and also the future. And he told them to write them down. And I wanted to keep two things in mind before I read here in chapter 2. What he's writing to is these ones here, when he said in this, I didn't read it for you in verse 16, that whenever he's seen him, he's seen him with seven stars in his right hand. In other words, the right hand is the right hand of favor. But those stars that he's seen was in his right hand, which would tell us this, Dave, that God's in control of those stars that, he, that I believe are his. And he goes on to tell us this in verse 20. He said, The mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in the right hand and the seven lampstands, my said lampstands, you may say candlesticks, he said, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. And I want you to keep that in mind. They are the angels. Now as I look around and as I observed earlier, sisters of horse, not much change in you. You're just as beautiful now as you were then. Ron, as I look at it, I see everything but an angel. When I look back there, I might see an angel, but to look up here, I don't see that. But let me point out, the angel is the messenger, I believe, of the churches. This is the ones whom God has placed there. And keeping in mind, they're in his right hand, under his control. Then he goes on to state, and this is a very important, because when he talks to this church here, he talks about the lampstand. He said, the set, he said, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands which thou sawest are the seven churches. I might ask the question, well, what is the church of Jesus Christ? Not the church, because it says the churches. More than one. I realize a lot of times we listen to individuals and they say the church. Well, if you're talking about the church, the church of Arabia, or the church of Mount Zion, you could say the church. But when you're talking about this age, you're talking about many churches, which I believe the Lord has placed here in this world. Here he had seven of them. 
I might point out, he didn't write to the church of Jerusalem, church of Colossae, church of Philippi. They were church other churches, but he picked out these seven to write to them because there was things that were that was taking place. And let me emphasize, there were things which were taking place. Many times I hear people say there was something wrong there. Well, it depends on how you look at it. Wrong from whose perspective? Maybe from ours, but not from God's, because everything that occurred, Dave, has occurred because God had determined it to occur. So as you read this, God's still in control of those things which are, even in this time. The other point that I want to make before I read here in, in the book, second chapter, is a question came to my mind. Here the Lord has the seven stars. He's in the midst of the seven lampstands. Why is he writing to them? He's in control of those ones. He's walk, he, he's well, we'll read in chapter 2 where he said he walks in the midst of the seven lampstands. But as he walks there, where does he lose control? I don't think that the Lord ever loses control. If he did, then he would be defeated in his will and purpose. <coughs> but the question came to my mind, why did he write to these seven churches? We were looking a little earlier, Sister Betty and picture there of Brian. He taught me something a long time ago. He said, when you read things backwards, sometimes you get a little bit more out of it. I give her a try, and this, this is what I want to do now, is read backwards here, because here in chapter 3, this tells us why the Lord had written to these seven churches. And let me t point this out. The writing to those seven churches are going to be effective. They're not going to be nullified by man saying, oh, I'm not going to believe that. I'm not going to read that. I'm not going to accept that. They're going to be effective. And this is what it tells us here. And let me read two verses here, if I may, because it points out the purpose of these seven letters. Well, let me point this out. The seven letters that were written in the book they weren't just addressed to the one church. They were addressed to all of them because in each and every one of these churches that he writes to, he said, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Not the church, but the churches. In chapter 3, and I would hope that God would cause each and every one of us to come to this understanding of the purpose of the writing of these, le these, these things in this book. In verse 18 of chapter 3, he said, I counsel thee to buy me gold. And let me just pause right there. Here, if you read in here, we read about who's doing the speaking. The one that is called Amen, the faithful and the true. He's the one that's doing the speaking. And he said, I counsel thee to buy me gold. 
I might ask the question, buddy. If the Lord counsels, what's going to be the effect of it? In other words, he's the teacher. He counsels you or teaches you. What's going to be the effect of the Lord's teaching? I hope, Ron, that we always understand it's a positive. It's going to be effective. He said, I counsel thee to buy me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, and, and, and white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and thou the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and, uh, and anoint thy eyes with salve, that thou mayest see. Then he goes on to tell us the purpose. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. The Lord here says, I counsel thee. As many as I love, I'm going to rebuke and chasten. I realize, Bill, whenever we read the word chasten, a lot of people want to think, oh, they're getting a spanking. <laughs> that word chasten means to correct. That's the purpose. I'm going to rebuke you. In other words, to show you the error that you were walking in at that time, which was not by accident as well. They were brought out of that error or that ignorance. And, and this is what it's telling. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. And I may have read this for you, but I want, to keep, want you to keep this in mind in the book of Titus. Let me find a verse. I think it's the second chapter. And verse 14. Who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity. I might ask this question, Rhonda. Whenever he says, in other words, he's, he's the one who gave himself for us. That he might redeem us from all iniquity. Is he going to be able to do that? My answer is yes. He is the one that has redeemed us from all iniquity. Not a partial part. Not just some of these and some of those, but all of iniquity. I'm even asked the question, I probably have asked this before here at this body. What percentage of those ones to whom he gave himself for will be redeemed? I can't come up with anything less than 100%. Keep that in mind as we read. And keeping in mind why he wrote to these, wrote to these churches. And he tells us this. He, and he goes on to state here in verse 14 of Titus 2. And purify unto himself. My Bible says a people of his own. Yours may say a peculiar people. Robin, I don't know 
where else I could be to find more peculiar people than right here at this body here or this place here. I'm talking about peculiar as far as this world is concerned. Because the things that we have to offer up is nothing but God's sovereignty, His grace, His work, His work, His completeness in all things. Not like the world. God did, God tried everything He could do. And now it's up to us to add to or do, come to some mutual agreement with God in order for Him to carry out His will and purpose. We no longer carry that burden because the Lord has taken all that off from us. Because He's the one that carries the whole load. And He said, hath redeemed us from all iniquity and we've been purified. Not halfway, but completely purified. And Debbie, if we look at this outward side, we see everything but purification. But we're speaking about the inward man that's been purified. Completely cleansed. But all this has been done by the work of Him that gave Himself for us. Might even ask the question, how many of those ones that whom He gave Himself for will be purified? I came up with the same day, the same answer, 100%. I believe this is what He's stating, and not only that, but listen to the latter portion of it. Purifying to himself a people of his own or peculiar people, zealous of good works. Add the same question, Ron. What percentage of those ones to whom he gave himself for will be redeemed from all iniquity, will be purified? How many of them will be zealous of good works? I hope they don't leave. The Lord didn't count on me to leave it up to me to be zealous. The Lord is the one who calls us to be zealous of good works. And this here explains to us why it is that he wrote to these churches which the things which were taking place at that time, the things which are, this was occurring there. And it was written down also for our admonition, for our learning, that we might recognize those things that God would take us through as well in order that we, we would be that purified people and, and recognize that He's the one that has called, purified us. Let me hurriedly read here in chapter 2. We're getting to it now. <laughs> Where we wanted to start at it. <clears throat> Verse 1, Revelation 2. Unto the angel of the church at Ephesus, write, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, and walketh in the midst of the seven lampstands. I know thy works, and thy labor, and thy patience, how thou canst bear them who are evil. Thou hast tried them who say they are apostles, and are not, and hast found them liars, and hast borne, and hast and hast patience, and for my name's sake hast labored, and hast not fainted. <coughs> Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Remember, therefore, from where thou art fallen, and repent, and do thy first works. 
or else I will come quickly. I will come unto thee quickly and will remove the lampstand out of its place, except thou repent. But this thou hast, that thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Here it describes to us, he said, unto the church at Ephesus. I'm not going to spend much time on it, but if we ask the question, what type of church do you think Ephesus was? Do you think it was a free will Baptist church? You go back and read the book of Revelation, or the book of Ephesians. You'll never find in there, whenever man, that man ever takes the initiative, that, that God has taken initiative from beginning to end, chosen us before the foundation of the world, made us accepted and beloved, adopted us into, into, his, uh, into his family. Not only that, but made, abound towards us in all wisdom and prudence. And all this thing, and made, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, all these things God has done on our behalf. And this is what he, they're teaching, this was the type of church that he was writing to at this time, the church at Ephesus, when he tell, tells them here, said, Write these things, saith he that, that hold, holdeth the seven uh, stars in his right hand. And let me make emphasis on this once more. Sister Lou, that there, these angels are in the, in the hand of the sovereign God. He has all control over them. Not only his their thought, their word, their deed, and if we go through here, we might make mention of this, proving it out by the scriptures, that God is in control of these angels that I believe he has placed there. I realize there's a process, Ron, that you go through, even as you went through a process in order to be placed as overseer of this body here. But God it is who has determined that. Even whenever if you go back <clears throat> and read about uh, whenever uh, Judas had taken his life and there was 11 of them of the apostles, they gathered together with, uh, with about 120 of them gathered together and they cast lots. And I believe what they had done, they cast their vote to who it was that was to take over. And in, in that, Peter even prayed, said, God, thou knowest the hearts of men. Show us whom thou hast chosen. God it is who works in each and every one of those hearts in order to, call, to cause them to pick out Matthias as, as the one to take this place. Even these ones who are in his right hand, they're placed there by the hand of God as an overseer of that body. And God uses that one in order to be a messenger. I believe of the truth of Jesus Christ about His works. Because this is all that this book is, is a declaration of God's work from beginning to end. <clears throat> it's not a, a book that God puts forth and waits on man to either accept it or reject it. It's only a declaration of him being in control of all things from beginning even unto end. 
And he tells us here in, in this book, or in, in writing, who was doing the writing. Having the seven, uh, seven stars in his right hand. And not only that, but who walketh in the midst of the seven lampstands. Now, buddy, I can't see him, but I know he's here. He said he walks in the midst. John was given the ability to see him walking in the midst. Ron, we haven't been given that ability, but I know he's here. I think it's Hebrews 13 and 5 where he said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. He never leaves us or forsakes us. But he walks in the midst of the seven lampstands. I've heard it being taught. Well, Jesus is walking up and down there trying to find out what's going on. I want to see what they're going to do. I'm just there to observe, to find out, you know, what's in their hearts and their minds. Let me tell you something, Ron, that's far from being the truth. I was in the midst of the seven lampstands. He was there to oversee, to lead, to guide. And I might also add this, he was there to protect. All of these things, this is why he was in the midst. And it goes on to state here, you know, in, the, in this verse here, <clears throat> I might point this out. He said in verse 2, I know your works. I just wonder, how could God know today what I'm going to be doing tomorrow? How is it possible? Let me tell you something, Billy knows all things. He said, we keep any secrets from him? Oh, no. We'll read about that. I hope we get time, time to read about that. Anyway, he goes on. <clears throat> this one here. <clears throat> Pardon me. He said, I know your works. I realize some people want to say, well, they had to perform the works before God knew. Well, let me tell you this. He knew them before they even were performed. In the book of Ephesians, the second chapter, when he wrote to this tell us not only this, what type of church it was. It tells us in Ephesians 2 and 10, for we are His workmanship. In other words, we're His creation. We are what He has made us. This is why Paul said, by God's grace I am what I am. By His work. We are His workmanship. I believe that we are a complete work of God. He said, we're his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Might even ask the question, if we're his workmanship, we're created in Christ Jesus unto good works, that we have been ordained to walk in those works, will we? Is it possible for us to deviate 
from the works the Lord has ordained us to walk in? Chuck, my answer is no. We're going to walk in every footstep the Lord has determined for us to walk in. Brother Mike was speaking this morning talking about God's control. God's control is recorded for us in Acts, the 17th chapter, <clears throat> verse 25. He said, it as, though he, as though he needed anything, seeing he giveth to all life, talking about God, seeing he giveth to all life, breath, and all things. Verse 28 said, In him we live, we move, and have our being. So if I ask the question, are we in control of our footsteps or is God? Are we in control of the things that we perform or is God? Philippians 2.13 For it is God who worketh in you both to will <coughs> and to do of His good pleasure. If God wills for us, causes us to will, He's going to also cause us to react to that will that He has placed within us. And this is what it's telling us here in this, in this verse. He said, I know your works. And let me just go and read this for you as well. Some people think, well, uh, will I be slack in this? Or will I be uh, not do it correctly? Well, let me point this out. That one who has created you and ordained you to walk in those good works, He's going to give you every ability. As Chuck, you and I spoke downstairs, He's going to give us every ability to respond to that, that work that He's determined for us to do. In the book of Hebrews, the 13th chapter, very familiar to you, I, I hope. He says in verse 21, well, let me read verse 20 as well. Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead the Lord Jesus Christ, the great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do His will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in His sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. He's going to make us perfect. I don't believe, Ron, there's going to be any flaws in it. That's where the peace and comfort is, even when he wrote to this church. This is why I wrote to you, because I love you, rebuking you, chasing you, causing you to walk in a right path in order that you might recognize the things that I have provided for you on my behalf. Every provision is by God. And He tells us this here. He's going to make you perfect in every good work to do His will. I realize people may think, well, I can resist God's will. Well, if you anyone could resist God's will, then God's plan from beginning to end is disrupted. God it is will accomplish His will in the armies of heaven and amongst the inhabitants of the earth. And none's going to stay His hand. Time's gone. I'm going to 
make mention of this one one thing here. may talk about this in the near future if we're ever back again, Lord willing. <laughs> I know some may say, I hope he's not willing. <laughs> when he said, I know thy works, and then he said, how thou cannot bear them <clears throat> that who are evil. You might ask the question, a lot of evil may go be going on in this world we may disapprove of. But this is not the evil that he's speaking about. I hope to bring that out. That the, the evil that he's speaking about is the things that is anti-God. Talking about free will, free will agency, man's work, man's responsibility, and him doing the best he can in order to everything to be accomplished. Ron? Time to go on, sir.